0: Welcome to crunching tackles where we break down the hardest hitting social issues in sports on today's show with the absence of live sports. What other forms of entertainment fill that void ESPN has brought back its highly popular show ESPN the Ocho during the COVID-19 crisis as a way to fill airtime with bizarre and unusual sports that normally do not get any attention. What are some of our favorite bizarre sports? How have they returned to the spotlight during this time of limited content? All that and more is coming up on today's show. With me, as always, from quarantine, is John Neckersov. John, how is social distance treating you this week? Mr.
1: Wiley, it's been pretty solid. You know, I've played some FIFA and some civilization from time to time. Been reading books, um, enjoying some time outdoors to keep myself sane so I don't lose my mind entirely. Um, spending time with family, you know, it's... It's weird being stuck at home, but at the same time, like as an introvert, I don't hate it that much, so you know overall, it's been not necessarily how I expected my year to go, but I've definitely i feel like I'm making the best
0: of it so far. How about you? No, it's been good i've actually I've been kind of privileged to be able to be outside a bit more than most people because mm-hmm. I'm working for postmates, so I've been able to be outside doing some food delivery because. Technically, I'm considered an essential service, but outside of that, we've been you know, doing homework, playing Xbox, got to visit with my fiance at the beach, and then she came over here a little bit. So uh, we kind of decided that as long as we're only going to each other's houses, we can social distance or quarantine together. Um, found my dad's old golf club, so I'm going to dust those out and hit the driving range at some point just to fill some recreational time. But nice. overall, it, it hasn't been too bad um definitely a weird time but um i feel like this podcast is the most i've gotten to talk to someone in a long time (laughs) which is sad but i'm still excited that we're getting to do this obviously um yeah and obviously you know john this is our ninth episode and we've gotten to talk a lot about basketball and we've talked about football baseball soccer but I'm excited for today's show because we're going to, need to give some attention to the little guys, the bizarre and unusual sports that don't normally get discussed. And um, when we first started coming up with this idea, John, when did you start first thinking about, you know, these bizarre and unusual sports that rarely ever had the spotlight?
1: Yeah. So my friend, Nate, shout out to Nate, if you're listening, um, actually, kind of kicked off this whole conversation by randomly sending me a video clip during class of this sport called Irish hurling. And I said, is it some kind of like Gaelic rock throwing competition? Like I just had no idea what to expect. And so I started looking it up and came upon this absolutely ridiculous and also simultaneously amazing sport. And it kind of got me thinking, and We'll talk about it a little bit more as we go on, but it kind of got me thinking a little bit about, you know, what are the sports that communities and people dedicate themselves to, that dedicate their lives to, you know, that are just really odd and that, you know, we don't really think about in our world, our bubble of organized, large sports. Um, you know, like there's a whole world out there in a parallel universe where something else other than basketball or soccer is like the preeminent sport in the world. Um, You know, the sports that we've developed over the last 100, 150 years are all relatively new. um, And it's totally conceivable that one of these other strange sports could have become the big thing. So we're gonna kind of take today and take a look at some of those sports and what makes them unique. Look at the communities that um, make them unique and
0: also laugh a little bit because some of these sports are just really, really weird yeah i first learned about some of these sports watching espn's once a year show called espn the ocho where on august 8th that's where the name comes from eight eight so the ocho they do an entire day on a network of bizarre and unusual sports and it's actually pretty popular in 2018 an average of 247,000 people watched the network at various times at the peak of the day. So obviously people were turning it on and off in between then. But at the most, they had 247,000 people at one time. And just kind of looking through like the list of some of these sports, they have a spikeball championship. There's a stone skipping competition, uh, sign spinning, stupid robot fighting, <laughs> cherry pit spitting. And then one that I'll just mention really quick is called death diving, where you have to do belly flops from an Olympic-sized diving board. That's legitimately incredible. Yeah, just all these bizarre and unusual sports. And there's a couple I've highlighted that I'm excited to get into. But you mentioned Irish hurling first, and I'm really interested in that. So where did that come from? So Irish hurling is fascinating, first of
1: all, because – it is one of the oldest sports currently in existence. You know, like soccer, we think of as pretty old. It has elements that have been around for quite a while. Um, but Irish hurling has existed for roughly three to 4,000 years, according to the BBC, which predates the arrival of Christianity in Ireland, which is just insane. Um, so I like to think of it as essentially lacrosse, but on massive steroids. So basically, you know, you have lacrosse, right, where you have a stick with a net and you're trying to get a a ball into a goal. So Irish Hurling says, let's take a soccer field, put soccer goals on both ends, and then put American football field goals above those soccer goals. And then we're going to take that stick, take the net off, and make it into a field hockey stick. And then you're basically going to play a full contact lacrosse with no pads or anything attempting to whack this ball through the uprights or into the goal while shoving people around and doing massive hits and all kinds of ridiculous stuff. And originally they didn't even have helmets. This game originated kind of like as a Irish like battle simulation kind of and with a lot of connections to like their martial history and stuff um and literally what will happen for most of this game and we'll post youtube links um, so you guys can watch literally you'll get the ball and then you'll just whack you'll throw it up in the air and then just whack it up field with your stick and then the other side will like Everyone will jump together like a tip off in basketball and try to get it. And then if you get the ball, you'll just whack it right back up the field. And people will take like ridiculous pot shots to got, try to get the ball through the field goal uprights from like half field from on a soccer field. And it is literally one of the most ridiculous and also amazing things I've
0: ever seen in my life. John, for people who have trouble visualizing these kind of descriptions, how are we going to be able to get them videos where they can watch this kind of stuff?
1: Yeah. So we now have an official Twitter, so we won't be spamming our personal Twitters as much anymore for all of you followers who are just dreadfully bored of our tweets. Um, We now have an official Twitter. We'll be posting video links to each one of these sports. So you can at your own leisure, enjoy everything from Irish hurling to whatever sport we're going to talk about next. So follow us on Twitter if you want to see those. And also we'll try to put some of these links in our podcast description as we talk about them.
0: Yeah, you can find us at crunch underscore tackles on Twitter and we'll obviously give more information about that at the end. But yeah, make sure to either Google search these names on Twitter or or on YouTube, I mean, or we will put them in, uh, we'll reply to our podcast with some links as well that you guys can go access. John, my first sport that I found on ESPN the Ocho, I'm sure growing up as a Star Wars fan, you bought those $10 plastic lightsabers at Walgreens that would go around having duels with people. I know that me and my brother did that. And one of the proudest days of my life when I was a twelve year old was that I collected all four colors of the Walgreens Star Wars lightsabers. I had awesome. per- yeah, it was it was an incredible achievement. Incredible. But you know, it's been a long time since my brother Eric and I would go out in the yard and whack each other with lightsabers, but there's a sport called the saber legion. And I'm reading from SB nation and saber dueling is a hybrid sport, drawing participants from three distinct groups, star Wars fans, martial arts athletes and led saber enthusiasts. Okay. So just right off the bat, I just need to know
1: who are these led saber enthusiasts and what makes a person an LED saber enthusiast as opposed to just a regular
0: saber enthusiast? Because that seems very odd to me. So from my research, apparently these LED sabers, which can be up to 52 inches long, basically imagine a long version of like a police baton. Mm -hmm. It's made out of that same kind of like hard plastic. They can cost hundreds of dollars and they have LED lights under them and inside them. And apparently some of these lightsabers are actually collector's items that people collect and um, use for this sport. And when I say that it's basically fencing with lightsabers, that's exactly what it is. They're not called lightsabers because Star Wars technically owns a copyright on that term. So they're called Saberists. And they dress up in robes, like, like Star Wars. They do an entire routine of, you know, addressing each other as combatants. And then they whip out their 52 inch uh, sabers and they go to battle with fencing rules, and it's honestly one of the most fun sports I've ever seen. Wait, is this like basically an
1: off-brand Star Wars battle? That's like exactly the great, what the, it is. the great value of lightsaber fighting.
0: Yeah, they have they have nicknames.
1: Some of That's them are incredible. Star
0: Star Wars related. Um, you you have to look it up on YouTube because some of them are very very impressive as well. But See, I just. I want to get involved in this. You, you can. If you buy a lightsaber, a, 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 I'm sorry, a saber, <laughs> you can't say lightsaber, and the, the correct protective equipment, you can enter and join a local tournament. And if you get really good, you can advance all the way to the championships, which are televised on ESPN. That is amazing. So my
1: question would be, as the Star Wars fanatics that we are, how connected are the famed lightsaber techniques of the star wars universe to the actual fighting techniques that are used in this sport
0: well that's one of the really interesting parts that make it different from fencing in fencing you have like a there's a little cap at the tip of your of your they're called foils and yeah. you eventually score points only with the tip of your foil by poking someone lightsaber dueling is any contact with the saber. So it's much more like an actual lightsaber duel in Star Wars would be. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they don't have all of the backflips and the choreography that the Star Wars movies would have, but the routines and the way they hold the lightsabers with both hands, all of that is the same as it would be in a Star Wars movie. See, I just think they should integrate like style
1: points in that if you do a backflip and get a hit, you should it should count at least as double. Like when Anakin jumped over Obi-Wan. Yeah, exactly yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. That would yeah if it had come off, if it had come off, it would have been an auto win. But unfortunately,
0: it did not. Right. That that yeah, it's it's an incredible sport. And like we said, we'll we'll have descriptions in it. Um, honestly, if you are ever thinking about this podcast in August, watch ESPN the Ocho all day. It is well worth your time and you will not stop watching the entire day. John, when you mentioned one sport that you were going to talk about, I was like, well, everyone knows about rugby. Even Americans know that rugby is just a weird version of football where they don't use helmets. But this sport is kind of different, isn't it? It is because this sport
1: is played not only without helmets and pads – but with snorkels and fins too. And of course I am discussing underwater rugby. If you've never heard of underwater rugby, which I'm gonna assume that you haven't because I'd never heard of it until I started looking up weird sports. Underwater rugby, according to the BBC, originated in German diving clubs in the 1960s. So it's a relatively new sport. Essentially the goal of this game, and here is where basically all similarities to actual rugby stop. You're essentially trying to take a negatively buoyant ball and shove it into a trash can on either side of a pool at the bottom of the pool. So it's like water polo except played entirely underwater. And so part of it is like, you have to go up and take a breath and then basically tackle people while underwater as they're trying to like force a ball past a goalkeeper who's basically lying on top of this underwater trash can. It is one of the strangest sights. I have ever seen in my life I highly recommend
0: looking it up so when this kind of it it almost sounds like it's more like water polo than like rugby where except the only difference between water polo was that in water polo you're playing on the top of the surface and here you're playing at the bottom of the pool so how do they actually you know get cameras to televise the sport when most of the action is well below the surface of the water so You've
1: got like some cameramen for like a YouTube link or whatever. It's not like necessarily actually televised, but you've got some cameramen and referees wearing scuba gear on the bottom of the pool, like filming things, calling shots and whatever. And it's definitely, it's different than water polo and is called underwater rugby because it very much has the idea of like a scrum forcing the ball across the pool. Right. Cause you can't like shoot like in water polo when it's above with water polo, when you're playing above water, you know you can throw the ball into the goal. In this sport, you have to basically shove it in, right? So it has this idea of like just this mass of people just moving slowly across the pool
0: trying to get it in. So it's very odd and very entertaining at the same time. Yeah, it's kind of incredible because I think in most sports, one the one thing athletes can take for granted is their breathing, right? That's the one thing they can do subconsciously while they're competing. But here, breathing is actually part of the strategy of when you're going to go up to get your breath before you dive back down to continue in the scrum of people uh, wrestling each other at the bottom of a pool right like the struggle makes me feel like i'm like
1: as i was watching it, it made me feel like i was in the classic christopher nolan movie dunkirk or just like all the action is taking place underwater and i just feel constantly claustrophobic and constantly wondering when people are going to breathe and what is going on and people are like grappling with each other at the bottom of a pool. And apparently, you know, people know when they need to breathe and so they go up, but I think
0: I would hate every minute of playing that sport. Yeah, it sounds really, really hard. John, for my last sport, I need to take you back to Berlin, Germany in 2003. And actually a bit further, I need to take you back to all the way back to 1992 in France. Where a French comic book writer created a, a good start, created a story that included a, a championship that combined two disciplines: chess, the mental game of strategy, and boxing, the physical pugilism of uh, punching another person and created a chess boxing world championship in his fictional comic book a dutch man took that book and decided to create it in real life and so in berlin germany in 2003 the very first chess boxing match took place and from that point there is now a chess boxing club berlin and other chess boxing clubs all over the world and it is played exactly the way as it sounds you play 4 minutes of chess and then you box for three minutes and then you just go back and forth between those two uh, ele- for 11 rounds and you win either by checkmate knockout or if the match ends and neither of those two have happened by a point system in boxing. And I honestly, this sport is baffling and whoever came up with the idea and incredibly unique in the way that it takes two very separate mental and physical disciplines and then makes you do both simultaneously. See, what's fascinating about
1: this is I'm pretty sure the champion of this is like the ultimate human specimen. Like if we're talking about like the Supreme human, he's a genius jock. He is a genius jock. Like he is what everyone wants to be and is incapable of being like I'm just imagining, like, how it's even possible for someone to be legitimately good at both. Because, like, you know, you think of, like, the chess grandmasters, like, Gary Kasparov and Magnus Carlsen. And they're these people, you know, they're absolute geniuses, but they're usually not that fit, right? And then you have your boxing champions. And they're very fit, but definitely not chess grandmasters. And just imagining the skill you'd require in both is fascinating to me.
0: Yeah, it's, it's kind of amazing because there are different types of people who could play this sport. Right. You could, have, you could have a chess grandmaster who was banking on the fact that they can beat the person in four minutes of chess because they have no chance in a boxing ring. You could have a really good boxer who could hope to maybe survive four minutes of chess before going to the ring. But ideally, you have someone who's great at both, which I imagine, I would wonder what it's like to train for to be elite in chess and boxing. You know, I'm going to go play four hours of chess. And I'm going to do 30 minutes on the heavy bag and then go back to chess again. It, it's just, it's an incredible sport that I could never imagine myself saying, yeah, I want to be great at boxing and chess. I think this is a, a principle that would be fantastic
1: in a movie. Like you have a chess world champion who says you know i want to be the best chess boxer there is but he knows that there's no way he can win that he can survive even a single boxing round and so everything is riding on those first 4 minutes of speed chess where you have to make a move every 10 seconds and he's saying literally every game he plays is a basically has to be a 4 minute game like imagine the tension as someone who knows they cannot box and knows that if you go past four minutes, you're just going to get absolutely destroyed. Yeah. Like that, that would be insane and also an amazing movie.
0: Yeah. If, if you're not an athletic person and you're a chess game master, you're basically saying if I, I have to beat this person in four minutes or I'm going to get punched in the face for three. That's that's a really tough. That's a that's lot of pressure. That's the ultimate
1: gamble. That is the ultimate gamble. It is. There is no challenge in sports mentally that is bigger than that. Uh, yeah. I I, I I literally don't think there would be.
0: No, it's it, that is like, it would be the that would, height of human achievement.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like if <laughs> if someone like Magnus Carlson managed to win a chess boxing in the first four minutes every time, like I think I would just say you're the you're the mental master of the world. Like yeah. We all bow at your feet. But it's more impressive to do both really well, right? Like Right, obviously. I yeah. think this I think this raises an interesting question though before we finish this segment, which is is chess a sport? Because there's a lot of debate about whether chess is a sport or not. And I've had a lot of interesting conversations
0: with people over the years. What do you think? So, is chess a sport? It's a really tough conversation because You either have to agree or disagree on the definition of a sport. And I think generally people aren't going to agree. People are going to fit whatever they want to be a sport into their definition of a sport. Mm -hmm. My definition of a sport is a competition in which a score is kept and it requires some sort of technical physical skill. So the physical act of moving your hand to move a chess piece is not a technical physical skill a technical physical skill is something you have to train for develop and get muscle memory on like specifically just for the physical aspect of the skill. So I would rule chess out, but there's a pretty interesting international board of governors who disagrees with me, right, John? Right. So
1: actually the international Olympic committee views chess officially as a sport, which I think is very interesting. Um, apparently both Tokyo, um, and I think Russia at some point have petitioned for chess to be part of their Olympics in the future. Um, And I think that's fascinating because I would tend to agree that chess isn't necessarily what I would view to be a sport in the strict sense. But as society develops, um, it's seeming more and more like things, the definition of sport is becoming a lot looser. You know, we're e-sports are kind of becoming part of this conversation and i think definitely once e-sports become something that is like this is a sport chess has to be part of the conversation at that point i think
0: i mean even e-sports requires a certain level of hand-eye coordination that is not involved in chess right there's a there's a certain combination of buttons you have to be able to push rapidly and in in an order that does a particular move on an e-sport you can Move a chess piece as slowly and as deliberately. You could push it with one finger, you can pick it up and move it. That doesn't have any sort of like hand eye coordination or specialized skill that, you know, even esports would be a loose definition of the sport, but even that would be a step above something like chess, in my opinion. Potentially, but I guess rapid doesn't for me necessarily mean sports. Sure.
1: Right. Yeah. Because like golf is a very slow sport, but we just, no one argues, regardless of whether. You like it or not no one argues that it's not a sport i can't imagine anyone who wouldn't like golf no you can't i personally don't like golf but that's another conversation for another day um yeah i think it's it's just interesting though because you reach that point where you're asking where is the divide between mentality and mental competition and physical competition and how much physical competition do you need for it suddenly to be a sport I think that's an interesting question that we no one will ever necessarily fully agree on, but I think people are more and more starting to think, you know, maybe things like chess are actually sports, which I find interesting.
0: So obviously every sport involves some sort of mental aspect, mental toughness, mental strategy, mental discipline, but chess is in my opinion, entirely mental, right? Whereas even in a sport like golf, the physical act of swinging, like the way that your knees, your hips, your back, your shoulders all move in synchrony, is more is something that has to be practiced. That's more technical than chess. But right. ultimately, the definition of a sport is going to be whatever the person wants it to be, so that their favorite activity can be classified as a sport. Right? So, right. And in a parallel
1: universe, you know, maybe we all just have. Much longer attention spans, and we all go sit in stadiums to watch chess matches. I think only of the land of my forefathers, Russia, where people gather in parks all across cities, literally to just watch old guys playing chess. And you'll literally have bystanders just standing around tables in parks as these guys in like taxi driver hats just sit there playing chess for hours and hours. And it's just, it's absolutely amazing. So, You know, you extrapolate that to the rest of society and you could have a world where we aren't even having this conversation, which I think is interesting in terms of all of these bizarre sports. You know, we have this set of sports that we view to be like the ultimate sports culture, but it's quite conceivable that had history gone a different way in a bunch of different small ways, the last hundred years could have gone totally differently and we were all massive water polo fans or massive chess fans instead of soccer or basketball fans.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of the point that I, I want to end this conversation on, which is, you know, don't dismiss these bizarre sports just because their fan base is small. Because while those fan bases are small, they are incredibly passionate. It's really easy to be a casual football fan. You can turn on a game on any Sunday on any network, You can be in a work pool for your fantasy football and barely check your team. But some of these sports are really hard to access. And so if you're taking the time to go watch chess boxing or lightsaber dueling or underwater rugby, you really, really care. And the passion of those fans is something that hopefully if you do take the time to watch ESPN The Ocho or check out these videos we're going to post, I think that's going to really stand out to you. And that's what makes these sports so much fun. Mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I
1: think of a sport that I have dedicated quite a few hours to over the years, which is table tennis, uh, which is a little bit more mainstream than a lot of these sports, but it's something that you know isn't like a big part of sports culture, and yet like there is a dedicated fan base that seriously love their sport to death, that I have played with and like learned a ton from, and I think it's really interesting when you it's almost like a totally new challenge and in, almost like not necessarily more fun but a fun in an entirely different way to get involved in a sports culture like that where all of a sudden you're asking yourself not like who's the greatest basketball player of all time or like trying to like throw down in even like something like tennis but you're suddenly getting involved in a sport where you're learning about like different rubbers of table tennis rackets and like learning about the greatest table tennis players of all time. And everyone's telling you about it and you get out there and you get schooled by like a 70 year old man who has played for his entire life. And you're like, man, I'm way more athletic than you, but you just annihilated me and getting involved in a sports culture like that, I think is one of the coolest things that you can get involved in. So, uh, yeah, it's a unique experience. And I think that in a time like this, it's something that you can really kind of think about and really get involved in, in the future in a way that I think really benefits your life.
0: Yeah. If there's a bizarre sport that doesn't get a lot of attention that you're really passionate about, please feel free to reach out to us and let us know. We would love to spend some time on YouTube, checking that out. Hopefully you guys will take the time to look up some of the things that we're talking about. If any of them interested you, uh, make sure to watch ESPN The Ocho every year, not as a reminder of my birthday, but as a reminder of how much fun sports are, even the ones that we don't even know exist all the time. So John and I are gonna leave that conversation there, and we will be right back after this quick break. And we are back with our second segment and John and I decided to do something a little bit different this weekend for the next few weeks. We've normally been doing a segment called VAR corner during this time where we give out a clear and obvious error of the week, but with the lack of sports also brings a lack of villains and I think this is a time where we could use positivity more than negativity anyway. So for the foreseeable future, John and I are going to change the segment from VAR corner to quarantine's corner where we give out our stay at home sports recommendations for the week. And John, there is a popular new show on Netflix. Well, not new show, but new season of a show on Netflix that you wanted to recommend to the people this week. Yeah. So literally my favorite sports documentary series
1: of all time is the Netflix show, a Sunderland till I die. Maybe it's popped up in your Netflix at some point as a Netflix original. And then you probably passed by it. Because you're like that looks weird. Sunderland till I die is a masterpiece of reality television where it chronicles without any spoilers, the journey of a soccer team, an English soccer team in absolute chaos Nothing goes their way. They have a passionate fan base with massive history and basically through fan interviews and owner interviews and player interviews and manager interviews, you just get a look into this club that is in crisis. You feel this, the city of Sunderland, the city that is that loves their team so passionately. And yet just hard result after hard result, after hard result comes their way and you just feel the ineptitude of the ownership and both the passion and the lackadaisicalness of the players and it it is an incredible work of art season two just came out i'll be spending my entire weekend watching it could not recommend it enough if you even if you don't like soccer and you want to learn a little bit about soccer culture it's one of the best starting points i think you could possibly have for soccer culture
0: Yeah, after we stopped recording the last episode, you and I were just talking for a little bit, and I had actually never watched it, and you told me that I really needed to. So I did, and I got involved in Season 1. And uh, as someone who hasn't even finished the first season yet, I can just say that your heart kind of hurts for those fans, even Mm -hmm. though I am in no way a Sunderland fan, don't really know much about the club. I know that they're a historical club, but uh, especially the fan interviews just – how much that team means to them and how much it hurts the way that team has let them down is really not hard to watch as in like it's gripping, but it's, it really is hard to watch emotionally Mm -hmm. and you really feel for that team and those fans and you find yourself cheering for a team that you really have no connection to in any way in a way that no documentary has done for me before. So uh, I also would second that recommendation very heartily. As far as my quarantine recommendations for this week, there are two. The first is the players-only NBA 2K tournament that starts on ESPN tonight. We are recording on April 3rd, and so the first one's actually about to start in about an hour, and then it'll be going on throughout this week. There are going to be games um, that are going to be on April 5th, There's going to be a quarterfinal on April 7th. The semifinal and the final will be Saturday, April 11th. And there are players like Kevin Durant, Trey Young, Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell. NBA players that you know, that you definitely know, are part of this tournament. And it's going to be really fun. There's a $100,000 donation to charity online for the winner. And it's just going to be a really good time for fans to get to see their players their favorite players participating in something that they also might play because a lot of people are casual 2k players and so i'm really excited for that but i'm more excited for what happens right after that because like i said the final is going to be on saturday april 11th and then on sunday april 12th that day was supposed to be the final round of the 2020 masters tournament But due to the postponement of the Masters, CBS is going to re-air the 2019 Masters final round on that day, on Easter Sunday, all afternoon. And I for one know that I will be wearing my red polo and my Tiger Woods hat and will be basking in the return to glory, uh, getting to relive that all over again if you watched last year and you want some nostalgia, if you don't watch golf, but you have know about tiger woods, or if you just want to see the greatest comeback story in the history of sports, make sure to watch that final round re-air on Sunday, April 12th. Another thing I will say, I don't know about
1: tiger woods being the greatest comeback of all time. He may be the greatest athlete comeback. That's definitely possible. I don't know about the greatest competition comeback of all time, but I recently, actually this morning during class, was watching one of the greatest comeback games of all time, Liverpool versus AC Milan 2005. BR Football has put a host of old Champions League soccer games on their YouTube channel for you to watch for free. And I have been taking full advantage of that. Um, Do it at your leisure. If you want to learn about some Champions League history, watch some recent games watch some old games they have them all available for you and it is a great way to also spend your time if you don't want to watch golf or if you want to watch
0: both we're not limited here we've got a lot of time on our hands you definitely want to watch the golf cbs twelve thirty to 6 sunday april 12th don't miss it i for one will not be watching the golf but that's just me well i will be Thank you guys so much for checking out the podcast this week. Like every week we are almost to our 10th episode and that is very exciting. We appreciate all the support and all the uh, appreciation that we have been getting. Like we mentioned earlier, make sure to check out our new podcast Twitter account at crunch underscore tackles. Make sure to check out me at Chad E. Wiley on Twitter and John, you are at John underscore Nekrasov. Please continue to tell all of your friends who are desperate for any sort of content right now about this podcast. I'm sure anyone right now would have time to listen to it with what's been going on. And we're hoping to bring some humor and some fun to everyone's day once a week. So make sure to tell your friends, continue to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this on. We are now on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Our uh, recent edition is Stitcher, and we're really excited about that. So thank you guys so much, and until next week, we'll, we'll see you guys later. All right, see you guys.